Two mates. Two committed coaches. With the amount of shit that's out there in the health and fitness world, we scrape it all down and make it all simple. With a combined 15 years of health and fitness knowledge and at least 50,000 hours worth of coaching experience, it's fair to say that we know our shit. Steering you away from all the bullshit fad diets, core workouts and all the other crap out there, we show you a path of sustainability and simplicity in a fun and entertaining way. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the FH&M podcast. Uh, today, we've got a very special guest um, on this episode. Uh, and Tom will not be with us today, unfortunately. Yeah, very he, unfortunate. Yeah, he has, he's had a little bit of a prior commitment before this. But um, no, today, uh, we have Mitch Hammond talking with us today. Uh, he's, he's probably spent the last 18 months, he says, over in the UK. <laughs> so we're just going to have a kind of a catch-up, uh, just talk about a few things with his rugby and um, what Cobra was like over in the UK. I know there's a few hot topics in <laughs> about COVID nowadays, but um, we're going to see what it was like over there, uh, what's he doing now, what's he going to do in the future, because he is um, he's a very busy man for a man of only 20, 20, years, age, yeah. 20 years old. So, um, But yeah, so Mitch, you want to tell us a little bit of a bit about yourself, what you've been doing? Oh, just sort of briefly, yeah, so the past 18 months over in the UK um, so how that sort of started about the first time I was over there end of year 12 so at the start of 2020 just before COVID hit went over and I was in Staines in South East London I believe and then um, was there for three months then COVID hit so came back home and then was doing a little bit of rugby in Melbourne and then whilst I was doing the rugby in Melbourne kind of got the opportunity came about to go back to London different part of London in Hendon to play for Hendon RFC and then um, at the start of October then moved over and then I was there till the 20th of December 2021 so that's it and now yeah just flew back and now just doing a bit of rugby in Melbourne and Sydney nice yeah. how, so how did you get your, um, how did you get your contacts in like the rugby in London how did that come about uh, yes yeah, so the year before that, we went on a tour uh, with the Melbourne Kangaroos. Um, we went to America first, played a couple games there, and then we played in a tournament in Portugal. And in the tournament in Portugal, one of the boys in our team, his older brother, was the captain of the Hendon team. And he sort of just came over to our coach and he said, look, we could be interested in a couple of our players. So um, we first sent over two boys over, uh, prior to myself, and then they were there for a season, then they returned, then I uh, flew over to replace their spot. <laughs> you've been all over the place. Yeah. So what was it? Portugal, America, England. Yeah. So for rugby, Portugal, America, England, and there, and then hopefully a couple other trips this year as well, likes of Japan and Dubai, if all goes to plan. Ah, oh, true. Yeah. We'll, we'll touch on that very, very yeah. soon. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So were, were all the boys your age? Was it like a age thing or like a more of a? Uh, for, for the Melbourne Kangaroos, I was under 19s, and I think we're allowed, yeah, so I was all sort of 18 to 19, couple like turning 20 year olds in the team. But then um, playing for Hendon in the UK, that was all men's. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so people were like 20. I think the eldest player we had was 35. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I remember because um, we had a chat, we had a big chat yesterday about what he's been doing, and um, He's been going to the gym with a few big blokes from the uh, from the team, and they've just been absolutely monsters in the gym. He showed me on Instagram, and I was like, "What the hell is that? 
fucking person. Yeah, a couple of big boys. Um, yeah, it makes me really scared to go over there and go to the gym, to be honest. But, um, but no, it's all, all well and good. So what was... Um, so now, like, you got the rugby back here. What are you doing for your, for your rugby? Uh, at the moment, so I was in Sydney briefly there for a couple of weeks uh, with West Harbour Pirates. And then just with a few kind of like personal reasons stuff, had to come back. And um, so now with the Melbourne Unicorns, and then hopefully play first grade in the Dewar Shield, which is the Victorian Premier Grade. And then, yeah, sort of take it from there, hopefully it becomes a productive season. Right. Um, for those of you wondering, Unicorns is a real name. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering that myself. I was, I was gobsmacked when I found out. Um, but no, so, oh, is that the Victoria Premier? Premier Grade, yeah. So it's sort of like the highest level for club rugby in um, Victoria. Yeah, right. But so what's the training like for that? Oh, it's pretty intense, you know, so it kind of like breaks up between like your drills and your fitness. So there's a few coaches about, so you have your S&Cs, your head coaches, assistant coaches, defensive coaches, uh, tack coaches, forwards coaches, back coaches. So it's all kind of, it's pretty full on for like the time that you're there. So you've got about 50 coaches. Yeah. Ready for you. <laughs> Everyone, yeah. A few masseuses there as well. Oh, <laughs> it's quite nice. Really? Oh, very good. Funny, it's some fucking some top notch. Have you got, like, well, what's the facility like? Is it? Uh, well, it's just because we're at pre-season at the moment and they're doing cricket because we share a field with the uh, local cricket team. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. yeah so we're just at um, Gardner Reserve at the moment, just sort of doing a bit of our pre-season there, then we'll move over to um, the, our, our main field. Yeah, bloody hell. So the cuff, um, so that cuff, they'll take you to Japan and Dubai. Oh. Dubai. <laughs> Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> they'll take you to Dubai, would it? Uh, no, so a different team for Dubai. Dubai will be... Um, that's for a different. That's for rugby sevens. So okay, there's a yeah. uh, Dubai do a hold a big sevens competition. It's like world renowned. Like you know, Australia, like the Olympics teams play in the competition. You know, all yep. around the world. So that's with uh, the Melbourne Kangaroos. So okay. hopefully that goes ahead. That'll be in December. So you're still with them, are you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah. what was that entail? So is that how is that different to like unicorns and the kangaroos? Also too much different. Just more aside that it's just a rep team. Yeah. So like you kind of get boys from obviously you got your Melbourne. Got uh, a few boys from the ACT, a couple of boys from Queensland and stuff sort of come down. And then our last tour, which was cancelled, that was a Europe tour, so it was meant to be Spain and Portugal. But then now we also do our sevens tours, well, trips to uh, Dubai yeah, okay. to compete in the sevens tournament there. Yeah, right. So it sounds like, because um, I'm not a big rugby guy, as you know. <laughs> I'm more of like a football and tennis, and now I'm a golf guy, apparently. Golf. Um, but um, it, it sounds like it's a really world-renowned, popular sport. So I know, um, like I know, like Victoria, we're not that into rugby, but you got like the New South Wales and Queensland. And yeah, you got it's England. massive. Yeah. yeah. How was it over in England? Like, it's a, England was big. Like, it's a small little country, but there are rugby clubs everywhere. It's yeah. a big sport. Like, there's yeah. so many, like so many clubs, so many players. Yeah. Yeah. So the way it's kind of like constructed over there, it's kind of like a pyramid kind of thing. Obviously, your top at the, of the pyramid, your Premiership, your Championship, your professional sides. Yeah. And then you move into your nationals, which go from Nat 1 to Nat 3. Yep. And then, pretty sure it's London Premiers and South East England. So that's the best teams in London and the South East England. And then you move through to your London's 1s, 2 and 3. And then from there, splits off to different counties. And that's the same with the middle of the country, but it's Midlands, not London. Yep. And then same with the North. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's really interesting. Because, um, so would you, you know how like our local footy works yeah like AFL BFL would it be similar to that you reckon yeah I know it's kind of yeah yeah it's kind of it's just different like it's just the way it's kind of set up yeah because it's not like a sort of a pyramid over here if that makes sense it's kind of like 
like it's more of a league sort of structure in the UK where over here it's kind of like um, you're one team, you'll kind of verse each other. It's just like if the ones will play the ones for another team sort of thing, whereas the UK have the league structure, all the teams are sort of playing where they should be playing. Yeah, okay. So there's no overly dominant team. But uh, obviously the ones who come yeah. in the top of the ladder, they get promoted or the bottom gotcha. relegated. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. That's what we should do. Like uh, if, you, if you live in Ballarat, we have about three leagues around Ballarat or probably like four. Actually, no, three if you count Maribyrna. So we have Central Highlands, BFL, and Maribyrna League. And like Central Highlands is just another level below BFL. Like yeah. BFL is like one of the top teams, like top leagues. BFL's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. They, they take it really seriously. And then the discrepancy from Central Highlands is just <laughs> it's just disgusting. So, um, but no, that's really um, really interesting how serious they take their rugby over there. So, um, yeah. It sounds like it's, quite, it's a quite efficient system too. Yeah, it works really well. Sort of just keeps the players where they should be. So, like, no one's sort of getting absolutely dominated, you know, yeah. and there's no... Everyone's just playing where they should be. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. Um, no, really, really good. So, uh, leading on to... Well, leading off the rugby now, I'll, <laughs> we kind of want to talk about some other stuff that's quite controversial. <laughs> but um, I'll, I kind of want to get our head across the COVID situation over in the UK. Yeah. Because I know we've dealt... I know Victoria have had the absolute... Freaking ass kicked <laughs> out of the. Oh, I don't even know the fucking. It's just been horrible in yeah. Victoria. Um, and I kind of want to get a gist of how it was over in the UK. Like, like your lockdowns, your, your social distancing, and your rules, and. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. It was. Uh, I reckon our lockdowns was a lot better over yeah. there than what. I mean, obviously people took it seriously, but it wasn't as strict. Yep. So the rules were kind of like more guidelines than actual yep. set rules. Yeah. And, um,. Well, see, so when I went over there, it was all kind of free when I first arrived for the first couple of months. So free as in, like, you can move around? Yeah, move around, you yeah. need, you know, masks for here and there. Yep. Like, there were some restrictions. And then, instead of going to a lockdown, they just did a, um, kind of like a traffic light system. Yep. So, it's more just restrictions instead of just going to a proper lockdown. And then, um... Yeah, so it was all basically the same as a lockdown, just without calling it a lockdown. Yeah, okay. But we did it pretty well, because, I mean... Like, no one really followed the rules and stuff, so we still got around with mates and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, so it was all fine. And then I'm pretty sure we are in a lockdown from the start of the year for a couple of months. Yeah. Pretty sure. And then it just sort of opened up again. And they opened up really quick, like, big chunks at a time. Like, instead of small steps, they were just big leaps for opening the place up. And then I think by around, what was it, March, April time, everything was sort of somewhat you know back to normal you know we're still able to train gyms were opening up again yeah and then yeah sort of just as it increased over time everything got back to normal then i think by the summer so around june july um all the pubs and things were open shops were open you could walk around don't didn't think you need a mask on public transport yeah same with uh, grocery stores and things like that and then yeah then it just sort of there was no restrictions basically okay how, how are the um how are the case numbers when like when you start to open up do you, do you remember like what they i think the highest we got up to was must have been like eighty thousand. yeah or six yeah or something ridiculous but that was big numbers yeah okay. but no one really seemed to care i think i caught it twice when i was over there yeah really yeah okay. so yeah. i had both delta and i caught omicron just before i was meant to fly back yeah um I mean, no one sort of really cared about it. Like, I know heaps of people have caught it twice, even with the jabs. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so we just treat it more like just an illness more than, like, a proper... At the start, obviously, it was all a bit scary. But then 
after a year and stuff, people just kind of lost a bit of care about it. Treating it like the flu. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard um I've heard some stories. Well, this is treating the <laughs> bad territory, but I've heard some stories like that some of the boosters. Like, I know the booster. Some people have had COVID and the booster. But they've had COVID like the start of the year, and then they've had to get a, the booster third jab. Yeah. And they said the booster is worse than actual COVID itself. Jeez, I haven't had so, the booster shot yet, but no, I've heard some stories as well. I'm it doesn't. Of, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a bit hesitant I'm towards I'm at the moment. Very on the edge about getting yeah. COVID. Yeah. But um, if if I have to, I have seen some posts about they're going to treat it as like um like the second jab, like you need to, need to get it to do stuff. But yeah. Um, but no, that's actually really interesting how like efficient I would find efficiently more like more efficient than what we have done in, in Victoria um, our vaccines in the UK were really good we had a good rollout as well so that kind yeah. of helped us open up a lot just because the rules were like if you've been jabbed you can do things yeah okay and everyone just sort of just quickly got jabbed like we had really? a massive rollout we bought so many yeah were they were they kind of happy to go on board yeah. yeah, everyone was kind of, yeah, everyone was happy. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Everyone just wanted to do things. So, I mean, remember when you're in the UK, you know, it's only like a two-hour flight, you're in another country. Yeah. So, like, people just wanted to go places, like, you know, to over to Europe, you know, just be able to do things, get back to life. Okay. Do you, do you reckon there was much backlash to the government with in the UK? Uh, definitely was on how they kind of treated at the start, opening up too quickly. Yeah. Um, especially at the moment, Boris Johnson kind of coming out that he had parties and all sorts of things over lockdown. Really, yeah, <laughs> yeah number 10 Downing Street. But, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, not too sure how you're long. If you're over in the UK at this point, yep. Yeah, so um, it was just a bit of that. But um, everyone was just kind of over it. Mm. I don't know if that's just British, British uh, attitude, but everyone was just sick of it. Yeah, well, I think definitely most of the show. I know I definitely am over it. I, yeah. I wonder if... Um, don't know what how long this is going to go for but uh how what do you reckon well have you did you hear much about how we dealt with it over here while you were over there yeah like eight lockdowns yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah over small cases that, yeah that, that sounds right <laughs> yeah. um do you reckon what do you think about that oh, i got a bit ridiculous didn't it yeah. i just thought it was a bit of a joke after the sixth one even then that's still a lot, that's still, <laughs> like, fucking four lockdowns yeah that. yeah but uh we were that first first lockdown lasted about eight months and then little two weeks one month and here and there but I understood it at the start but then when you go into lockdown for like a week or like over the weekend or something that's what I thought oh it's a bit a bit ridiculous a bit too much yeah. Yeah, especially when everyone's starting to get vaccinated and stuff but yeah um, the stuff, stuff over there in the UK seems to they seem to have had a better grasp of what we did I, I find it like do you know why they like were able to control it so much or do you reckon it's just a different government they were just more easy about it or Honestly, I just think it's because Boris just bought a load of vaccines before they were approved. Yeah, really? Yeah, so yep. we already had, like, just so many just yep. ready to go when they were all kind of approved for it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so I think we had the fastest rollout of vaccines. Like, we were ahead of, like, the government schedule by, like, thousands. Yeah, okay, really? Yeah, so we are doing really well, especially when the first and second jabs were coming out. Yeah. How, how do you reckon, the, like, the medical system went, like, the hospitals and... I've actually got a couple of mates over there from the rugby team. They were doctors, so they were oh. involved with it all. Yeah, right. And um, when it was sort of at its peak, and they just said it was fucked. Yeah. Like, it was mental. Like, yeah. it was really bad. Like, hospitals were just so overwhelmed. Mm. But, um, yeah, no, they said it was pretty... They basically just said it was fucked. Like, it was just intense. Yeah, right. Have they, um, how's the uh, nurse, nurses' like population over there? Because I know over here, I've had... Um, I train a few nurses, yeah. and they've said it's, it's getting really hard because of the vaccination mandate. Some of them don't believe in it, so they've either had to quit or they've had COVID. Um, and the the nurses shortage is just 
it's taking its toll on the system. Yeah, I could imagine. I'm not really too sure for the nurses over there. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know any nurses, but... Um, oh, really? yeah. I've heard a few stories otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm pretty sure there was a couple of stories of just kind of the rules around it. Um, just with the close contacts, like knowing what a... Cl- like it was all kind of blurred mm. on like what a close contact was. Um, if you were, if you needed to isolate, you know, the whole track and trace system that they had over there at the NHS worked really well. Yeah. But um, I think it was sort of just coming out when it was just restrictions. Everyone was kind of a bit confused. Do I need to isolate, you know, or not, you know? And yeah. then I think they, they just kept changing the rules. So I'm pretty sure that just got on people's nerves even more. Yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, I was actually going to say, like, getting on people's nerves. Like, how was the, um, how was the media over there? Because I, I remember when we first started, like, um, talking about, like, lockdown and stuff, the media was all over it. Like, the cases, they were, like, inflaming it, like, a bunch, and they were, weren't talking about anything else. And Yeah, especially, like, in the morning news and stuff, I think it got more of a bad coverage from, like, Australian news channels reco- uh, reporting about um, the UK cases. Yeah, really? Whereas, like, if you're, like, watching the morning news in the UK, it was sort of, like today we've recorded say 30,000 cases and then however many deaths blah 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 and then, they, then that was just the segment you know yeah, then right. they just move on to like you know the sport or weather whatever it was Yeah. whereas um, pretty sure over here just from stories that mum and dad were telling me they yeah, kind of yeah just exploded it a bit it so it's so <laughs> fucked I was getting angry I, I started watching Sunrise every morning Yeah. Um, I started waking up a bit early I started watching watching Sunrise and it was actually pretty good for a while um, but then like the COVID situation happened and yeah. the um the amount of shit that they put on, they would you know how they have like headlines underneath like the actual yeah. like, TV itself, yeah. like literally the entire time it'd be like oh thirteen thousand cases reported, this many deaths, this many fucking like stats and stuff, and then every ten minutes they go back to it, and it would yeah, just, I'll just keep get repeating it. it would, yeah. They would repeat it every 10, 15 minutes, and it would just blow everything out of proportion. I'm just like, is there any other news Who's than, to talk about? Yeah, yeah. I'm like. Like I, and I got to a point. I was like, "What did we actually talk about when it wasn't COVID?" <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I got to a point where I was like, "No, I'm not watching Sunrise anymore." And I switched over to Today a bit, um, and it that was just the same. That was just the same. So I was like, "Oh shit, I might go back to Sunrise." Uh, and then um, Koshi, yeah, old mate Koshi, he interviewed a treasurer from Western Australia. Right. Oh, and, Western um, Australia. This is uh, this is when. Like they were giving out payments to people, like for business keep, like business owners yeah. and employees and stuff. And um, when when the lockdown was finished, Koshi was asking the treasurer, I was like, "Oh, are you still gonna give payments to business owners, like for for stuff like that?" Well, because they were giving payments in lockdown, obviously. Yeah. And he was asking when when the lockdown finished, are they gonna like keep paying? <laughs> and Koshi asked that question. I was thinking to myself, like, why would the government pay if businesses are operating? And I'm yeah. like, why? And the treasurer was like, ah, uh, well, we think that they'll be able to support themselves when we <laughs> open back up. And Koshi, and Koshi was like, flat out, was like, so you're not gonna like give them any money? And I was like, no, why would they? And then the treasurer like repeated his thing, and Koshi's like, I'm gonna take that as a no. No. Oh. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> off, fuck off! You're such a dickhead. Yeah. So that's I was I was. I liked him up until that interview. Up until that moment. Up until that interview. So yeah. Now I'm just, I'm fucking up. Over it. I'm over news. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm, I was over it. That was the same mum and dad. They switched over to SBS News. 
just actually get other news. ABC, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that and ABC News. Yeah, I've heard that's um, I've heard that's the go nowadays. But no, but uh, I was um, I was very interested about how UK was um operating like with their media and how they're reporting their cases and stuff. Yeah, it's kind of just reporting it, just reporting it without kind of you know delving too much into it. I think there was when we had the highest number of deaths. That was a bit of a big day. Yeah. I think yeah, Boris Johnson made a big speech about that. Yeah. Um, was that in the world or was that just UK? I can't remember. I, can't remember. Yeah. I think it was like 100,000 deaths in a day. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was a lot. Oh, wow. I'm pretty sure it was that, yeah. That must have been the world then. Yeah. Because that's a lot. Yeah, well, he did a big pref, uh, press conference about it. Yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't a good day. I, don't, oh, I can't <laughs> imagine. I wonder how he... He probably was a better speech than Trevor Scott. How they use funny. Good old miss-up. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, well, I actually want to move on from the COVID now. Yep. And I want to talk about our history. Right. Because um, if some of you don't know, I'm sure me and Tom have talked about this in the past, we actually started a fitness company together, which he still runs, uh, Next Step PT. Um, I'm not going to promote it because I have my own <laughs> PT business. Uh, he can do that. That's tough luck. He's, um, <laughs> if you want to get trained, go to PP Fit. <laughs> don't go to Next Step. Um, but yeah, we actually, when I started out with him, um, Mitch was my first client. My first personal trainer. <laughs> yeah, so, oh, there you go. And it was actually quite an uh, experience because looking back at it now, I was the shittest PT and I actually apologised yesterday <laughs> for being a, bad, <laughs> a really bad PT. Because I remember he was, um, you are still in training for, kang- like, for kangaroos. Yeah. And um, I was like, all right, mate, we're going to do fucking burpees. We're going to do sled. We're going to do ropes. Everything. Gonna gonna do the hard all sessions. The cardio, bro, all the cardio. We're going to get you fit as fuck, boy. <laughs> and I was like, I'm thinking back on it. I was like, holy shit. No hard <laughs> sessions. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like, I didn't even give a shit. I was like, yeah, I'm going to make you fuck, mate. I'm going to kill you when you leave. But no, but no. That's like the whole point of your sessions, was just to make me feel sore at the exactly. end of the day. Exactly. I was such a bad PT back then. I was, I'm actually pretty glad that I stopped and like did more study. and like Learn what shit. to do. Uh, but actually, I want you to be critical. Yes. And how, how have you grown from that first session till now? As in like, say like in your, like what have you learned from your training? And like say rugby training, uh, other PTs, um, like if you ever seen Peter's in the UK, yeah, any different, and um, yeah, just how have you grown as an athlete? I would say well, I've come a long way from just doing a bunch of box jumps and battle ropes <laughs> and burpees <laughs> and all sorts of shit. But um, I hope so. Yeah, no, actually changed a lot. Just sort of training more smart than um, sorry, but um, yeah, but sort of tra- training more for purpose rather than just doing exercises for the sake of doing exercises. Yeah. So, um, especially now with rugby, like just doing a lot more sort of big emphasis on lower body strength and power, sort of just training more sort of athletic, if that makes sense. So you kind of want like real, real springy, real good function at like functional legs, um, strong legs and just like really strong upper body, bit of armor and just sort of training like that. And, um, just sort of sounds kind of like what you should be doing, but a lot of people kind of struggle with that at the start. So like with my workouts now you kind of have like your primary your secondary then your accessory movements so um it's like your primary movements so you could do like a heavy back box squat or something like that just for you know a bit of power then your secondary could be um like a split squat lunge something like that then your accessories you could do like um what i do for accessories like even then you could do like some isometric holds um some balance work 
all that kind of thing, some jumps and all the rest of it. Yep. And just sort of training, just more for the sport instead of just like training, not training like a bodybuilder. Mm. Training with actual purpose is probably the big thing that's changed. Yeah, no, that's really, that's quite important that you do like mention the purpose bit of it because a lot of people, when they come in to the gym, they come in to get healthier. Yeah. I say that with quotations, but someone always has a goal in mind, whether it's like with you, if you want to increase your performance in rugby, or as someone, if they say they want to get healthier, they come in and they actually just want to lose body fat. Yeah. So if um, if you have that purpose in the gym, you need to make sure your exercises are, are kind of... Goal-specific, is goal what I'll say. Goal-specific for your gym, yeah. Yeah. Your, your goal. For your goal. <laughs> so, yeah, but um, actually, your, bo- your box jumps brings a uh, memory up saying um was it was it your snc coach that was saying he doesn't like box like box squats or their likes are just to 90 yeah so like just sort of just above parallel like fuck all depth to it at all yeah no yeah that that, that over box squats and all the rest of it. i don't like i don't really get it because i was talking to tom about this before tom tom would back me up he's like yeah the dog. but um he knows his stuff yeah he reckons. He reckons. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it makes no sense. If you're an athlete, when are you ever in a position to be at 90 degrees on your knees? Can you, can you think of any sports Not that, that you need power from, like, in that position? I could almost argue when you're in a scrum, rugby-wise, but even then, you're never at 90 degrees. You're yeah. always, like, just above. Just above. Yeah, you're always kind of... You're always in that power. Like, even sprinting, running, jogging, doesn't really matter what you're doing. Sort of tackling. Mm. You're never down yeah if that makes sense you're like you're in a strong position but you're not you know yeah down exactly, yeah <laughs> i think i'm, I'm gonna post about it on instagram like literally i don't think i can aim a, a sport or any any type of position maybe maybe doggy or something yeah position but um uh but you literally never have that power yeah even like when you look at top sprinters like your 100 meter sprinters they're never squ- they're always doing squat uh quarter squats yeah. uh your box squats so it's sort of just what you need. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. training, like, you want to get strong through, like, athletic motions. Yeah. Rather than just sort of just... If you're a weightlifter, it's different. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, if you, I reckon any exercise that you do in a gym, if you have an explanation or a justification for it... Yeah. Just, justification. Justification. That's, that's the word. If you have a justification for it, then it's a good exercise. Yeah. So box jump for athletes is good. Um, just normal barbell back squat for bodybuilding. Yeah. That's good. So, literally, but I'm more of an athletic trainer, um, so I've I've definitely kind of steered towards the box jumps over than the barbell box squats because barbell box squats, barbell back squats, back squats, yeah, that's that's, that's the one we're talking about. But um, but yeah, no, it's good that it's good that you've kind of grown and I've grown <laughs> from the fucking the battle ropes and the box and the box jumps. It was like a try. Uh, was it? Try set of like box jumps, battle ropes, burpees. It was yeah. all in one for the first exercise. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. And then I just remember you were fucked like first ten minutes in. <laughs> just I was like, finish. oh yeah, this is a this is a good workout, bro. We're gonna fucking do this. Yeah, this is gonna be awesome. But that, no. that was at the old Iron Oak too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, they've the original um, one. Now Victory Star Boxing. Yeah, there, I think. Yeah. Um, which it doesn't sound too bad of a sport. I need to I need to actually do a session there now, but. Um, but no, then the Iron Oak is, it's got a new space, it's actually got a pretty cool... Just down the road. <laughs> yeah, it's literally just like a few doors down. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a bigger space, it's got a basketball ring and... Massive now, yeah. Equipment. Yeah, it's not actually, not a bad gym. Yeah. Not a bad gym. So, um, but yeah, 
Um, so now, what are you doing now for yourself? I know like you're doing all your rugby and stuff, but like what are you doing for? What are you doing for work? <laughs> Looking for work. Looking Find, for work. Yeah, finding now, a job. Oh, actually, <laughs> um, speaking of work, I forgot to mention this before. Yeah. How? What did you do over UK? So say you were just out of school. Yeah. And um, what did you have any plans of what you were gonna do over there, or did you just? Well, when I first went over, I was through a company, so they put me in um, Staines Prep. Yeah. Just as I, I called myself the backbone of the school, just kind of did all sorts of things, you know. So, printed out pieces of paper, cut paper, um, helped kids who needed help. Oh, Colouring books. You know, yeah. Like Colouring all the colours. Yeah. Marked marked out the sports field when they needed it done. So. <laughs> Like meterage, like, yeah. oh, helped out the maintenance Gee. man sometimes. Yeah, so I was doing that um, as well as rugby. Um, then I was actually a really good school, met a really good contact. His name was Greg. He was um, obviously a bit old, obviously a lot older than me, but um, good old Greg. the old Greg, he played the same position as me at quite a high level in Europe. And he's a Kiwi, so um, he was a good brain to pick. A bit of information from you know steal a couple of leaves out of the book mm. so that was good then obviously COVID happened so I went back I think in oh, when did, oh, it must have been in April or March I came back and then um joined yeah. the the unicorns in the Colts program for yeah. a few weeks yeah okay yeah, and then right. um when I moved back the second time at the start of October um I was jobless for the first week then I got into a bit of landscaping yeah and that was pretty fucking hard <laughs> <laughs> landscaping yeah <laughs> Explains the way you're doing it now. Yeah, but um, what was it? It was, I, um, it was in Hampstead, which is one of the richest suburbs in London itself. Yeah. And I was on one of the richest streets. And um, oh, I think it was like a 25 million pound house. They just wanted a new garden. Because they just didn't like the garden they had, so they wanted a new one. Literally ripped up the old garden and just did a new one. Yeah. Did, did you have any experience? No experience at all. But the digging was the hardest because in London, you kind of got about like 10 centimetres of dirt before you just hit clay. Yeah, right. And, you know, when you need to dig out like a few good metres of earth <laughs> with shovels. For a decent garden for a million dollar pound. Yeah. A million pound house. Yeah, it was a tough gig. But then, um, was it the owner of that, he kind of just flew back to New Zealand. He was a Kiwi as well. And um, he never came back, so... <laughs> he was just left there, jobless again. Yeah, so I was there jobless again. Thankfully, saved up a bit of money prior before going over. Yeah. Um, so I was able to, you know... I was all right for a couple of months, but then soon enough needed a job. So I applied for a, um, a teaching agency yeah. in London. I think it was Aquinas Education, is what it's called. How'd you find that? Facebook. It's just a Facebook ad. Facebook, really? okay. yeah. yeah, nice. Well, they still work nowadays. Yeah. They still work. Yeah, so I applied for that, and then it all happened kind of quickly. I think within the week of applying and them sort of sussing me out to make sure I'm not a weirdo, um, yeah, just started doing, um, what was it, supplier uh, TAing, teaching assistants ing, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that, that makes yeah. sense, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then um, I also just said, like, just schools in northwest London, because that's where I was based, so I was just, um, just in primary school for the time being, just being a TA for... Uh, one-to-one or general classroom TA for like years I think I did years two till six yeah just at different primary schools in the area and then um from that they got me into um that's why I started doing supply substitute teaching in primary schools so covering classes from the same did uh, year twos up to year sixes in different different schools um so that was really good and then did a bit of um 
supply substitute teaching in um, a secondary school at um, the local secondary school just down the road. So I was there for about a month and that was really good. That was interesting. Did basically all the classes, GCSEs and all the rest of it. Yeah. That's like VCA. But um, what was And then after that, back into doing TAing, sort of full time at um, the local primary school. And um, that was, oh, I was with that, uh, a bit of a dysregulated year too. And um, that was an experience. Yeah. Yeah, that was a tough gig. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't, won't, uh, won't name names, but um, I remember getting a chair thrown at me twice in one day. Yeah, <laughs> and I like, remember you saying that. Yeah. Um, what was it? Spilled his water bottle on laptops. Um, it's just, just a little bit, yeah. Dysregulated is the word I'll use. Just a bit. Yeah. I was going to say, nah, I'm not going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, steer away from that. Yeah, I do. Yeah, bit bit dysregulated behaviour wise. So I think that was two, sometimes three to one support for him. He was he was based outside the classroom. He wasn't allowed to be in the classroom. Yeah. So did that for a few weeks till uh, he was told he's only allowed to do homeschooling. Yeah, right. So he's like the, the Westie. He's like the Westie King. Say. Yeah. Really grade two Westie. Yeah, grade two. Yeah, a yeah. bit of a. Yeah, he's an interesting child. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You always, you always make memories out of those kids. Don't yeah, you? always. I'll never forget it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's an I'll never forget the day for a chair. <laughs> you can always say that when you go pick up girls, I guess. Like, I got away with kids. <laughs> he threw a chair at me and I blocked it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll save you. I'll, I'll keep you safe, that's for sure. Then after that, I was in more of a full-time position at um, another school in Crickerwood. And I was working one-to-one with another kid. looked exactly like me. It was actually really creepy. Really? Blonde hair, blue eyes, pale as anything. Like, everyone actually thought he was my son. I, oh, I shit you not. Like, they actually thought. And he had a twin brother as well. They both, like, I could have passed as being their dad. You, like, you did go to UK before, didn't you? When did, you came back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless he, like, had super growing, like, super growth hormones or something. That made him. <laughs> Easy no. done. Yeah. But, oh, it was, it was cool. I enjoyed that job. It was a nice school. And, um... Yeah, the kids, the kid, like him and his brother, absolute characters. Like, they were kind of famous in the school. They were only year two as well. Yeah, really? Yeah, but, geez, oh, so strange. Like, they just look just like me. Then sometimes, like, for sports day, they'd wear, like, different coloured shirts. He'd always wear a red shirt. And then, like, sometimes I'd actually just throw on, like, a red polo. <laughs> and just to kind of take the piss. <laughs> oh, my God. That's probably why they're so popular, just because they look like you. Yeah. Oh, I can say that. You can put that against you. That's actually, um, it's cool that you could just rock up to UK and just like just apply for a teaching agency. And yeah, just, no experience yeah. required. That's great. Yeah, you kind of just got experience on the job. Like it's a bit daunting at first, obviously, but yeah, um, yeah you kind of just work, you get better. Yeah, so, right. well, yeah. There you go. Well, if the more you, you do it, the more yeah, you get better at it. Well, if any of you guys are going to UK, <laughs> yeah. you can just apply for a teaching agency that you find on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. You're fine. You're, you're absolutely. Easy you as. For the next, what is that, 18 months? Yeah. <laughs> you could probably live there off that. I don't know, you could. Yeah. It was good, especially if you do like the jobs I was doing, like getting chairs thrown at you and stuff, you get paid a bit extra because it's a bit dangerous. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, get that experience in you. Yeah. You come back to Australia when it's, you have to have like degrees and, and stuff to. Yeah, it's a bit easier. Yeah, it's kind of just, I've got no experience, but this is what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, that's amazing. So you, you're not allowed to come back to Australia and continue. You need a degree. Yeah, I think you need some form of qualifications. Yeah. The only, I only have one qualification. That's um, it's called Team Teach, and that's the um, positive 
approach to restraining children who need to be restrained. <laughs> oh, so you can go to really rough schools. Like, yeah. yeah, so you could go there and if, yeah, if you need to um, you use positive force, is what they call it, to um, restrain a child. Or um, yeah, move a child or something like that. That's what that that was for. <laughs> yeah, right, so what was positive, like what was a positive restraint? It was like one you were at his head. One teacher was like what, oh, holding yeah. him in his chest with his arms crossed, and one teacher was holding him by his feet. <laughs> yeah, that was a tough day. <laughs> but um, yeah, so positive force. It's kind of like it's a real grey area because it's kind of like what you think is positive force, and like I'm a bit of a I'm a big guy. And if I'm working with, you know, like someone a lot smaller than me, my positive force could be way stronger than his positive force. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It's quite scary. Yeah. So, you, like, you'd have to do, like, a big sort of report at the end of it yep. to you know, explain, you know, the who, what, when's, why's, and how's. Yeah. Like a, like a, yeah. It's a normal report, intimate report. Yeah. You can't just go around restraining children. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't need a degree over at UK. You can do what you want, yeah. really. You rock up and just be like, yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to restrain kids. Um, but yeah, well, actually, that might be all the time that we have for today. Mitch. Is that all the time? Yeah, um, I've pulled you from your work here. <laughs> what did you say? Three hours in your work here, and you've got two left. <laughs> um, but yeah, but that is all the time that we have for today. Um, I think that we've covered mostly everything. Yeah, yeah, we've got to go have a good bit. That we need to talk about. Um, but yeah, well, thank you a lot for coming on today, Mitch. Oh, mate, absolute pleasure. Oh, I'll have to get you on again. When you. Well, we need your brother on. We need to get your brother on. Oh, a few good golfing stories and yes. a few nights out. Oh, yeah. we are. But, uh, Tom's bucks. <laughs> we'll have to, we'll have to time in the pub where he's just sitting there just spewed on the table. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I can't wait to get that out. I can't wait. Oh, that'll be funny. That'll oh, be a good one. Yeah. No, that'll be out very, very soon, I reckon. We'll try and get him in. It's a pity that he works full time. Let's get him before he goes to America. Yeah. Definitely. Um, we'll try and tear that up very, very soon. That'll um, be a good one. But yeah, well, thanks for listening, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed it, um, and we'll see you in the next one. Cheers.